This evening's Dharma talk is titled Ego Fasting. So what does the ego eat? We'll start with that. The ego eats compliments. The ego eats admiration. The ego eats criticism. The ego eats any commentary at all. It, this is what nourishes the self-centeredness, the feeling that I am somebody opposed to that. I am somebody that's accomplishing this. Or the other way that's more difficult to see the ego is I'm the one who is failing. I'm not doing so well. I suck. I'm terrible. I should be ashamed of myself. So it seems to be necessary in order to, when I say ego fasting, it seems to be necessary in order to uh, approximate that kind of idea, uh, which is, of course, the idea is fasting from food, is to not eat the food. Fasting from... Uh, a little bit different when it comes to the self-centered, the ego, which is... Uh, just functions maybe, that metaphorically, might be some similarities, but... much more sneaky in terms of the way it finds support. And it will, the ego wants to live so bad that it will, it will trick you and even make you think that you're doing something that is helping, you're getting rid of your ego, you're transcending your ego, you're um, setting your ego aside, all of that razzmatazz. So what I'm suggesting here is that you uh, look at the ego, or look at the I feeling, the me feeling, the, the person who's doing the looking, the person who's doing the seeing, doing the smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, hearing, all that, the identity that is behind that, or that seems to be, seems to be some, anything time something happens, there seems to be a, someone's viewing that. Something happens, somebody's thinking about that. Something happens, someone is uh, judging that or evaluating that or speculating on that or explaining that to someone else. You might say, you could say, why is explaining to someone else uh, self-centered or ego-driven? Maybe not. If it's coming out of the awareness, then perhaps very low. But it's not so much about getting rid of the ego it's just not uh, letting it all get bulked up. As I've sometimes said, the thought process is muscle-bound, supporting that self-centeredness. The awareness, which is not particularly a muscle, but if you thought about it as something you could stretch or strengthen or encourage, then the way that is done is in our tradition, I'm not saying there aren't out of this tradition, but in our tradition is sit down, hold still, and observe what continues to show up, what continues to come, appear, what continues to disappear and fall away, and what is fluctuating back and forth and back and forth. And insofar as you are able, no comment, no elaboration. That's difficult to do because a lot of the times what what we're doing is we're spending time actually noticing, and this is about the awareness, noticing how much we can't stop making stuff up, coming up with ideas, speculation, 
very low level sometimes of judging that's still uh, is still uh, nutrition, shall we say, to the self-centered. Just metaphors. It doesn't work this way at all. Everything I say is untrue. This seems to take a lot of work to do this. It seems to take a lot of dedication. It seems to, it seems to take a lot of discomfort. There's a dissatisfaction with your life. Uh, the first noble truth of the Buddha, life is suffering. He didn't say part-time, my friends. He didn't say part-time. People hear that, or if someone hears me say that, they, then we go to what? The next, the judgment of, well, Buddhism is nihilism or negative. And it's not that at all. It's just the truth. You have all these nerve endings. It's going to be difficult. The nerve endings get abraded. Just our very existence is a pain in the butt. I don't see anybody disagreeing. <laughs> argue with you. And I wouldn't argue with you. I would say, no, well, tell me what you're doing. How are things going? That sounds really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of play, a lot of pool. You know, I'm doing this, doing that. There are all kinds of distractions that we can do. And this, and this, and so uh, sitting down, doing shikantaza, doing zazen, doing just awareness practice meditation is, uh, has been said before, is a deliberate way to being, deliberately looking at the suffering that human beings have. It's deliberately voluntary suffering, you could say, because if you sit down, hold still with all your senses open, no mantras, no mudras, no elaborations at all, not that you couldn't use those at some point. They might be appropriate at certain times. You might do lots of mantras. But first, let's sit down, hold still, and watch what this situation is. And you will probably notice, and I've said this many times, and I don't think it's uh, <coughs> inappropriate to say it again, is if you don't do anything at all but just turn everything on receive, what you receive will probably be whatever you've been objecting to all day long or all week long or maybe your whole life. And maybe it might take a few years for that, that the main conflict, the main difficulty, the main distraction, the main uh, uh, confusion for that to show up so that you can begin to see what it is. So it isn't so much like we're withholding fuel or food or nutrition so much. It's not so much a withholding, because that functions more like ignorance or shutting down or some kind of muted aggression. We're not doing that. What we're doing is we're seeing the way the self-centeredness gets its nutrition or its fuel. We see the way in which the me feeling is supported by negativity, aggression, positivity, passion, or uh, separation or division or distraction, to, to, to watch how that's done. By doing that, the self-centeredness starts to get lost. And that's why I would say it this way, that's one of the reasons, maybe not the only one, that's one of the reasons that sitting meditation is so incredibly powerful. You do enough of it. It's powerful because it eventually makes it, you don't have to attain enlightenment. You don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to be some kind of enlightened person. Just see the truth. Everything is dependently arisen. There's no solid being anywhere. It's not a conclusion. It's not an extrusion. It's not even a profusion. Well, it might be a profusion. It's one of those fusions. I'm not sure which one. 
but it's about seeing it. This is why it's called Buddha nature. It's probably called awakened Buddha. The root word there is, is Bud, which means to awake in Sanskrit. It's about awakening to what this is, to what this is. You wake up to it. So, and at the same time, you realize that you've actually never slept. Nothing ever sleeps anywhere. So why, else, why is there all this confusion? Why is there all the warfare? Because of the nature of intelligence is so incredibly powerful that it starts to spin out of, it starts to lose its, uh, uh, its uh, equanimity and starts to get lopsided and starts to have a center and a fringe and a center and a fringe. I got this, but I don't have that. It's lopsided. Not, not wrong, not incorrect, just the nature of how things are coming and going. <clears throat> Physical world seems so believable. But this is just moving at a really slow speed. Otherwise, you could put your hand right through it. Anyone, has everyone here had a lucid dream? Yeah, a lucid dream. You're there and there's a tabletop and you can put your hand through the tabletop. And you, you might think. That's the same consciousness that is tied into the six sense fields that are perceiving, apprehending, and receiving all of uh, the objects in the six sense fields, sights, sound, smell, taste, touch, thinking, and so on. It's the same, it's the same consciousness. It's just happened to be hooked into this organism that is also unreal. So the imputation that there is a solid being is intimately tied up with the manifestation of a human being who is three, four, eight, 10, 15, 20 years old, 50 years old, 78 years old. Unreal. It's there, but it's unreal. When I say unreal, I'm just saying it won't last. You want it to last? <laughs> I'll live forever. Who's that guy, Ponce de Leon, that went to Florida and looked for the fountain of youth? You know, didn't even know he was on the peninsula. He thought it was Michigan, but it was Florida. Michigan upside down. So the idea of fasting or the idea of finding the way the fuel is, the way the ego is nurtured, and then with your, it could be different with each person, the way you personally can begin to back that off. It might, might take a few years. How can I, how can you, how can we, how can you actually do, how can you sit down, see the way you keep puffing yourself up into somebody? And don't necessarily try to go the other way and try to keep from being, sometimes people say, uh, I'm saying don't try to keep from being somebody to keep from being egotistical. Uh, occasionally we'll have people who have begin to, begun to stumble on with their self-centeredness. Saying, well, I, just <coughs> so, I feel so self-centered, I feel so egotistical. I said, That's awareness. That's awareness. Everything that arises is awareness. There isn't anything but awareness. There isn't anything according to the Yogacara teachings of the third, fourth century of the common era. There isn't anything but perception only. There is no perceiver, me, 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 and my stuff, and no objects. You, you, and your car, your furniture, and your Pomeranian. There's no other. 
It's empty of other. There is no other. This is basic third turning teachings of the of the of the Mahayana Buddhism. It's, there's, it's empty of anything else. There isn't anything else. Yes. Is everything that arises self centeredness? Self centeredness, until it's not. So it's not two. So you can't find the other. All you can find, and, and, and all you can find is, is this, and that's suspect. But that takes a while. Eventually, everything starts to come apart. That's why the that's why each person, as you pa- uh, practice, can become more and more kind of freaked out in a different way, say than your neighbor, or your friend, or your dharma brother, dharma sister. They're going through one kind of. You're going. Yours is all physical, how you feel all the time, and theirs is all mental, how they think, how what's happening, what they worry about, and someone else is getting. Uh, spaced out and not knowing what to do, where they're at, what they should do next, how to make a decision. Don't make decisions. It's a waste of time. Not good to waste things that don't exist. Yes. Do you have one? Do you have another one? Do you have a first one? Okay. How does seeing what the ego feeds on help us to see that it's not real? So by the idea is to you watch the way it gets its fuel, uh, and it's it's not some kind of a of a, an obvious obvious thing that you can just see uh, using that metaphor, so that it will so the idea is to encourage you to look at the way you keep inventing things, or anyone does the way we keep something happens and we add on to it. And to just observe that until the addition starts to fall away. It will. Eventually, you'll just see what's there. And then there's lots of metaphors for that. It can become mirror-like. It can become translucent. It can become transparent. So it's still there, but it's more and more and more illusory all the time. So the ego mind does not like this. It needs the credential. The early talk that my teacher Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche gave back in the 70s was a talk called Buddha Dharma Without Credentials. Buddha Dharma, Awakened Truth, with no proof. If you need, if you need proof, if you need backup, uh, it's, it's, it's relative. It's, it's relative understanding, which is very powerful, especially if you're a, a scholar, especially if you want to use concepts or something to... Uh, uh, talk about ultimate nature, relative nature, Buddha nature, Tathagata Garbha, or all, any of that. It's just that the actual seeing of it is uh, has uh, doesn't have a conceptual support, other than someone who may see that and back into concepts in order to be able to talk about it. If you see this, if you fundamentally see this, you'll be tongue-tied until you see it even deeper, and then and then your tongue will start flapping. Yours probably won't, because... You talk too much already. Do you agree with me? Absolutely. That was easy. <laughs> Not easy to insult most people. <laughs> yes, sir. Michael. Um, now, I understand that ego is uh, just illusion, but is there a way to fully break that illusion, or do you always kind of like come back and re-realize it? You don't have to break it. It's just if you see it's unreal, then you have to do anything with it. I mean, it can you know have a seat, hang around, you know, watch the dog. I'm going to take a nap. 
You know, it can do. You can. You, you're liberated. This is called liberation. What are you liberated from? Everything. This doesn't mean you won't have obligations, but those obligations will be so clearly understood that it won't be something like this is something I got to do. It will be more like this is something I'm going to do. This is something I'm doing. Not something like I need to do this because. I don't. I never say that. Well, there was that one time. Can you explain that one? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that happens is uh, happens as it. I don't say not saying as you some we sometimes say everything happens for a reason. That's kind of, of course there's something something behind it. But everything is dependently arisen unless you see what it is, and then it's then it's uh, uh, then it goes even deeper than that, and then it's self arisen. Then it, then it's not connected with anything. It's just that the profound truth is so profound that it uh, abandons it abandons relative truth. Uh, without going anywhere. Further questions are good. Question from Shane in Grand Rapids. He asks, can we befriend our ego? <laughs> Shane, you're such a rascal. No. You often say make friends with yourself. I do. What is the difference between befriending our ego and making friends with ourselves? It's not so much being friends with the ego as it is being friends with the discontinuity that manifests as consciousness that is grasped as a self here and not a self there, and a self here and it's not a self there. The one who fries eggs in the morning, do you eat eggs? When you're frying eggs, there's an egg frying ego. When you uh, go and take care of Rumi, there's a, a, a Rumi caretaker ego. And it's not actually an ego, but there's a, there's a manifestation of the discontinuity of identity that will find the form. Consciousness always finds the form that it needs. And so that's why when you feel good, there's just no problem. It's just that because of karma and because of uh, causes and conditions that have come into this manifestation as your, your karma, the shape of your ears, the, your disposition, your the quality of your voice, everything that's dependently risen, relative truth shows up, and you take care of Rumi. So there's a there's someone there. There's that. That's to be make, made friends with, not the self-centeredness that that gets uh, uh, fluffed up when it's complimented or, uh, or shrinks away when it's criticized. Earlier, you said something like. The ego wants to live so badly, it will trick you into thinking that you're transcending it. How, how is it fuel for the ego if it's making you think that you're getting rid of it? How is it fuel? Yeah. Because it gets a credential out of it. It gets, I mean, it's not, not real, but the ego isn't real. But it gets kind of a little pat on the back and making some progress. It's it's this is where the the word like we study on Tuesday night cutting through spiritual materialism. Spiritual materialism is using the spiritual techniques to try to get somewhere to try to get into get into enlightenment. It is enlightenment isn't somewhere else. It's not something else. Andrew, 
What does it mean for somebody to be self-arisen? Why didn't you correct me? <laughs> Sorry. Why didn't you correct me? About what? Your name. Because I didn't notice. <laughs> oh. I didn't notice either. Jews on. What does it mean for somebody to be self-arisen? It manifests as it is without any support and without any uh, any uh, uh, without anything else. It's just that. So it's, it seems contradictory when we talk about dependent origination, that everything is dependent on everything else for its apparent identity. But self-existing means it just manifests. It just, just looking at the manifestation, uh, you don't go anywhere else with it. There's no praise, no blame. Praise and blame is about tracking things down that cause that. Tracking something down that, well, that's why that, this, is, this is good. Have you ever asked yourself, if something happens and you've ever asked yourself, why is this happening? Or, or if you say, why do I feel so good? Or why do I feel so bad? So whatever's happening, do nothing with it. Don't abandon whatever's happening for something else. Because what happens is when you do that, you, you abandon rangjung. You abandon self-existence. You abandon what the, the very situation is there, and you opt for the circularity of samsara that takes you off into spiral after spiral after after spiral. The Coney Island of the mind that keeps showing up as separation, separation, so war and peace and war and peace. Don't go to war. Don't go to peace. Don't go anywhere. Self-existing. And, of course, everything I say is uh, completely untrue. Uh, words can't find what this is. I'm just doing the best I can out of what I, I teach out of what I see. I don't teach out of what I know. I don't know anything. I make you guys study that. I'm not going to study that stuff. I don't, I don't actually know in, in terms of like information. Some, but I, I, there's no way I can compare it with Chazan. He knows all kinds of stuff. I don't know. Is that right? <laughs> He's trying to be humble right now, but he's having difficulty. It's hard to be humble when you're full of yourself. Everybody's getting off of me, picking on you. <laughs> <laughs> They're next. How does the teaching of dependent origination help us to understand self-existing? Yeah, so it's things are dependently arisen as long as you're looking at objects and things and whatever, you're looking at this and that, you're looking for a cause, well, then you, you're going to find cause after cause after cause after effect after effect. It's, it's just a huge labyrinth. The, the traditional way of talking about it is 10,000 things, which is an understatement. But self-existing is just, is just the pure appearance. There isn't anything else but this. But, but that's the realization part of it, when one is realized in the midst of the 10,000 things, not grasping at the 10,000 things, not rejecting the 10,000 things. This is, this is what's called the Tathagata, one who comes thusly. No past, no future. Always present. It's just, uh, as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche referred to that as authentic presence, it's just authentically here. Authentic is it's really actually here. And of course, as I've talked about before, 
there, there's only this moment. There is no, um, there's no following moment. Another moment, another moment. There's only this moment. Like it's also like saying another uh, interesting difficulty <laughs> is saying uh, you can't leave this room. What what is real cannot go somewhere else. There isn't anything else. There isn't anywhere else. Questions are good if you have. Jennifer. Jessica. Or Jessica. Go to Jay, right? You know, she corrected me. You know, you you missed Mr. Opportunity. Let him learn that lesson for me. Is there a way to work with it if we see that ego is feeding off of using Buddhist concepts to try to figure it out? It doesn't matter. It's, it's, each person is going to do that differently. Some people are really 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 active in that area. What's important is sit down, hold still, and watch what moves. Train your mind, do a lot of sitting meditation. And the sitting meditation, you could say, if you wanted to say it in a real pragmatic way, will offset the, the grasping at knowledge, of the constantly looking for, well, this is true and that's not true, if that's what you're asking. Don't worry about doing that. Just study a lot. And also study with Sangha, that helps, because the Sangha will keep you from getting too overinflated. At least they certainly did for me for 30 years, 40 years. More? Less? I'm just thinking more about it turning away from, just turning away from confusion, just wanting to reject, just, just the constant rejection of confusion and using Buddhist concepts as a crutch. Mm. I'm not concerned. I wouldn't be concerned with that. Just just sit a lot. Do a lot of sitting. And then that, then whatever's happening there will start to shift in, in different ways. And then the question will show up differently. There'll still be that kind of an issue probably, but it might manifest differently. Sitting a lot, rather than try to see, rather than try to go in and, and fix the intellect and say, let's, okay, don't do this, do that. I don't teach that way. How do I teach? See what it is. How do you see what it is? Sit down, hold still. Look at something that's not moving and watch what continues to move through all the sense fields. Whether it's a squirrel outside on the side of the building or whether it's a bird, whether it's someone coming into the zendo or someone moving around next to you or whether it's your own mind making a rummaging around for facts and fiction. Just watch what moves. And insofar as you can, this is the this is the ego fasting part. Don't feed anything. Don't feed the ego with acceptance. I'm doing well. With rejection, I'm not doing so well. And with ignorance, I'm just going to just not think about it. Although not thinking about it might be good advice. But you should first practice for a couple of lifetimes. Choo-choo. How does sitting meditation, how is that a way for the ego to fast? So that, that particular metaphor image may not work. You know, it may work for you, it may not. I'm always coming up with some kind of a metaphor for something uh, as far as uh, working with the mind. 
um, that if you if you sit down and hold still and look at the wall, uh, then uh, and things will arise. A thought about what you said to someone half an hour ago, or something, or a dream you had last night, or anything that's happening. And the ego, the self-centered part of the mind, will take exception. It will agree or disagree. It will, you'll have some kind of positioning happening. Uh, some kind of adding and subtracting and dividing comes out of the self-centeredness. And by, by, not, um, by noticing that, just watching it and not doing anything with it, it's actually, uh, it's not fasting. It's actually eating away on all, uh, anything that is arising out of um, um, dependent origination, however you want to look at it. Anything that's arising, we tend to do something with it. We personalize it in some way. And so what I'm saying is just just hold your hold your seat and watch what moves and no addition. It's the it's when you add on to it, when you see something like maybe a really negative thought about someone and you say, Oh, I really shouldn't think that about it's not very nice of me to think that about them. That's ego. That's fueling the ego. So I would say insofar as you can sit down wholesale and if you feel like uh, crap, then feel like crap. If you feel like a, a mean person, feel like a mean person. If you feel like you're unfriendly, unkind, or whatever, be genuine. Have that. Actually, have the feeling without adjusting it to try to be some better person. It's just a misunderstanding. It's not about we shouldn't try to be kind to people and not harm others and give people the benefit of the doubt. Of course, there should be some of that going on. But that can come out of the awareness rather than out of some kind of structural thing you have an agenda about stopping yourself from doing a certain thing. Because it will just go undercover and start to go in circles until the next time something triggers it and up it comes again. And I almost snapped my fingers. I'm so proud of myself. I'm just getting better and better and better. Every day, in every way. Isn't that how that goes? What's the rest of it? Every day, they're willing to get better, better, and better. Oh, yeah. More? Does a willingness to feel negativity um, have any commentary? It might have some, but it won't be much. Just, just receive. Give everything your attention. Generosity. And just receive whatever comes your, your way, responsibility. Be responsible for whatever's happening. Be responsible. This doesn't mean blame. It just being, it means the ability to respond. Respond to everything by what? Just receive. Just receive what, what if something, just notice that the mailman is coming. Give it your attention. The mail comes. There's your mail. Just receive. Yes. Don't say return to sender. There is commentary, uh, like, Good. I just need to feel this, then are we actually just feeling it? Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're moving away from it. You've actually started to ignore what, what it was you were looking at. By, and you get a slight credential out of it by saying, I just, need, I just need to feel this. These little mini lectures we give ourselves, well, I just need to be me, kind of thing. Well, at least I'm, uh, well, at least, I, at least, at least I'm, at least I'm just watching this. I'm just looking at it. That's extra. Don't do anything other than just observe. Sit down, hold still, 
all the sense fields, including the mind, are just big sense organs. Body's the, the biggest one, and the, and the mind is the most uh, expansive. You just receive. Whatever's coming, none of your business. Just like uh, the image I quite often use are clouds. Clouds in the sky are moving. They might be beautiful. They might be threatening. They might be anything, but they're really none of your business, even though they're quite amazing. Uh, same attitude towards your thoughts could occur. Just none of your business. Kian? If we're noticing those uh, thoughts and we have sensations in our body that come up that we're noticing, is that extra? No. More? How can ego fast if we're constantly receiving accolades and criticism from others? That's the only way you can do it. More? That's the only way you can do it. Why does not having that input keep us from fasting ego? You, you, you may just provide that for yourself, but if it isn't coming from others, we tend to invent others. So what I would say is, just wit the very thing you've talked about there, just that whole dynamic, just witness that dynamic. Don't move it this way or that way, or, or validate, don't validate anything. It doesn't need your stamp of approval, nothing does. What's the difference between that food coming from inside and outside? Same. Ultimately same. Relatively there's uh, some kind of differentiation there, but as soon as there's some kind of differentiation, then there's a wish for something to be different. It shouldn't be that way. It should be more of this or less of that. Then we start to, then we have some kind of commentary going on. Don't divide anything. Do we have more relative control over one than the other? <laughs> That's a secret teaching. <laughs> it could be. Could be, but I think that would that would show up uh, in terms of one's own karma. Some people tend to have, just like some people can eat some foods and that don't do anything and they're just fine, and other people eat those and they get terribly sick. So everyone has a different kind of wiring karmically from everything from your this whole body mind matrix uh, to the way the mind uh, works, the way the consciousness works. The important thing is to, when I say get friend, uh, make friends with yourself, but just get to know yourself so that don't don't necessarily go in and try to manipulate your ideas and your feelings and your emotions. I mean, give yourself a few years where you just look at the situation. And then, you know, if you really look at it and something does show up, if you look at it long enough, you'll see in an area where you may be able to move something a little bit, and which could show up as some kind of control. Probably not, but maybe some. I've never had much luck with that. Greg from the UK has a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. 
Greg from the UK. Okay. He asks, does there come a point when ego no longer arises? I'm not saying that that couldn't happen, but it's, it doesn't matter. You don't have to get rid of uh, something that's unreal. So it may show up, it may, it may not. What will happen is the consciousness that is liberated uh, doesn't, ha- doesn't uh, it's not that there aren't reference points, it's just not fixated, fixated on any of them. So it also, actually, there's kind of a sense of humor about the self-centeredness. So one, one sees that there's still a quality of the consciousness that's still looking for some kind of you know, success story, or some kind of uh, trying to get noticed or something. May come and may go, but if you see that it's unreal, you don't. You're not really concerned about it. So he, he's not. What he's asking, what Greg, what you're asking is, uh, it won't matter. As long as it matters, then there's something to get rid of, or something to stop, or or explain, or push away, or figure out, or something like that. But what I'm saying is, if you just look at it. Uh, and using this particular approach, just fasting. In other words, don't fuel, don't don't add any acceptance, don't add any rejection, no comment, no comment, no comment. And this way, and I hesitate to go into any definite thing when I say it's not going to die of hunger, because it's unreal. So you really can't starve it. So I've been lying all along. But what you can do is by doing that, you will start to see vividly what it is. It is uh, as Trungpa Rinpoche said. Uh, about 40 years ago, it's a paranoid insurance policy. It's all about thinking that something is threatened and nothing is threatened anywhere. I'm not saying you don't have nerve endings. I'm not saying you couldn't run out in front of a car or somebody couldn't push you in front of a car or somebody couldn't pick you up and throw you off a skyscraper. Should not be good. But basically who you are actually, your, your actual identity, you could say to use a fancy word, your spiritual identity, you can't, uh, can't, it's not in danger. And that's who you are. So that's uh, what happens is the consciousness or the understanding doesn't abandon the body. It's still here. You can still feel your t- fingers. Something still uh, itches. You're still here, but you're also everywhere. There isn't anywhere you're not. It's not the same kind of space. Physical space and uh, spiritual dimension. Are, spiritual dimension has no space and no time. Therefore, it is unborn and unceasing. And and you, if you're listening to this talk, then you're listening to this old man talk, you could probably understand this. If a dumb old person like me could talk about this, I'm sure you'd do quite a bit better. Are all thoughts and concepts ego? They're all lies. But they can be pretty shiny and polished with really nice uh, molding around the edge. So they look really good and they sell good. And people are getting incredibly rich with those kinds of things. And it's not a problem. But if you've got enough money to live on and eat, you'll be fine. But it's not about getting rid of anything. That, that's a misunderstanding. That's actually how warfare, uh, wars start with, with individuals and with whole nations. Don't, you don't have to 
go to war with anything. This is a, one of the ways of, of seeing that there, uh, uh, in yourself, if uh, there's a Buddha nature is beginning to or has arisen here, so you're not against anything. You're not you're no longer at war with anything. You no longer agree with anything, nor you di- do you disagree with anything. You don't need a position on anything anymore. Um, Carly, Joy, and Kozan are watching from Traverse City. Uh, a question from them. On the cushion, holding still and observing, what's the difference between eating and fasting? So the eating part may be uh, whatever's arising, uh, have, objecting to it. Uh, that's eating. Uh, whatever is is going away, uh, grasping at it, not wanting it to leave, or whatever is uh, disturbing you, trying to uh, trying to shut down on it or close it off, would be um, would be fueling uh, the uh, ego. And uh, fasting would be observing it. with nothing extra. Not even any comment on it that I'm fueling my, if you say I'm fueling my ego, uh, you've just actually poured another uh, more applesauce into the ego. It's just a metaphor, it's not really applesauce. But it's probably sweet, probably tastes like apples. (laughs) Why am I the only one laughing? (laughs) Go ahead. Um, Jim from uh, Muskegon asks. Yes, Jim. Uh, can awareness become judging of what we're aware of? When that happens, one has uh, one has uh, left the open dimension of awareness and entered the the fifth or fourth skanda of thinking process of analyzing and conceptualizing and naming and evaluating and so on. And it, and it happens. Uh, it's like an invisible transition. Uh, only someone who has spent a lot of time training their mind can can notice uh, know what the difference is between awareness and thoughts. The one who's confused has a, a little inkling of what it might be, but they think they're two separate things. And, and try to separate it. I'll just be aware and I won't think. It's misunderstanding. Yes. Shane from Grand Rapids has another question. Is there an appropriate place for the ego? Mm. <laughs> Sounds like a trick question. Appropriate place. No. Greg has a few more questions. <laughs> My buddy does. <laughs> Is the ego seen through and it still arises but doesn't take over? It's a, it's a little bit of, a uh, little bit of, uh, of uh, I would validate that to some extent. If the ego really takes over, you, you don't even realize it. That's why they call it the ego. People who are really intensely full of their ego, are, are, they don't think they're, they just think they're right think they're correct. People who go the other direction are people who have some sensitivity to their 
of their uh, of their uh, narcissism and are maybe trying to do something about that, or maybe not. It's so varied. There's so many different ways, like those uh, all those different. Uh, what are they, lectins, or what are they in spinach? No, it's not spinach. Is it beets? You don't go there. I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounded like it did, because it was kind of a technical word. Wait till I start using Sanskrit words. It's really hard to keep up. Yes? Uh, question again from Greg. Yes. Post-meditation, can we use our ego to set a good intention? So, not necessarily use our, our ego. You could use your bodhicitta. You could use your, your, your wish to be kind and help others. Your, and that could have ego qualities happening to it. But we don't mind. Let those, let those do whatever they need to do. They'll sort themselves out. Just don't try to get rid of it because then it, then it gets more polished. And more, uh, and it's more it has a wonderful disguise. It looks like reality. He has another question. Can we still be passionate, productive, passionate and productive, when ego is fasting? Sure. And and it might even be, uh, you might do, you might be more more productive, more passionate, because you're, you're not operating out of hope and fear so much, if I'm understanding the, que- the question. So you can, you can function fine without, a, without some kind of uh, acknowledged self, self, uh, center. You, you know, there, there's the whole idea of center and fringe is a misunderstanding. We do it all the time. We, we enter, we go in and out of Buddha nature all the time. We just don't know it because we think, well, that would be something special feeling of some kind. Actually, it isn't anything special. That's why it's so difficult. See you, Michael. See you later. What's the transition between awareness and thought if they're not two different things? The transition is when we we realize they aren't two separate things. That's the transition. So... You can only make a transition between two things when you think they're two things, and you make the transition. And now I'm just aware, and now I'm thinking, and now I'm aware. But when you see that they're not separate, then, uh, then there, there isn't any transition happening. You don't need to make a transition. You no longer separate them. You've stopped separating everything. Now, this doesn't mean that things don't separate, that, that they don't hook up together and try to form some kind of a of a person who's accomplishing something, like the, the image you've probably heard of, of the five skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, or memory and consciousness, that they function just fine, self-existing. Uh, for, here's form, just fine. Feelings, it's just fine without a self, without an identity. Perception, just perceiving, just receiving whatever's coming, just fine without a perceiver. Concepts, is, uh, thoughts are just fine without thinkers, without a thinker behind it. They work much better without a thinker because a thinker has some kind of a, an agenda about success and failure, whereas a thinking process is just a clear way of taking uh, structures and, and moving them around with possibly an uh, agenda of making a cheese sandwich. Do you eat cheese? It's dairy. 
Be bread? Okay, it's not dairy. Good. Another question? hung up on self-existence, but I'm not sure what to ask about it. Um, how is it different than reality? No fancy word, reality. I'd have to look on my cell phone and see what reality is. I'll have to Google. So what is real? Uh, what is actually real? The word real is, means something is, is, that, is real, but something is temporary is not real. That's the way it's talked about. It won't last so long, but something is fundamentally real. It can't leave because it's never, it's never arrived. It can't, it can't vanish because it's never appeared. If it's something has appeared, that's relative truth. If something appears, here it is, lasts so long, and then it goes away. Everything you see that comes into existence will pass out of existence. Even if it's a mountain, it's going down. Even if it's a universe, it's only so long it lasts. Reality is not going anywhere. And your true nature, your Buddha nature, according to these teachings, and the way it kind of looks over here, is uh, there's, there isn't anywhere to go. Further questions? Thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our red chant books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We always appreciate and depend on your financial support. Thank you. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji, Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light.